Hi folks, thanks for tuning in to what will be the 10th episode of the Constos Convos podcast. Today's special guest is Stephen Brown. Stephen's best known for his role in Scottish soap opera Take the High Road. In today's episode, we talk about his career in television and we catch up to what he's currently doing just now. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the Constos Convos podcast. Stephen Brown, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm very well, Brian. How are you? Yes, mate. I'm okay. It was a bit of a mad rush there to get back in for this. Uh, just life gets in the way, doesn't it? It certainly does, mate. It certainly does, especially when you're out everywhere on that bike. Oh, just everything else. I just I said to my wife before I came out, I said, I just do too much. I need to seriously concentrate and focus and getting some stuff done. Because <laughs> no one thing, it's the other. Uh, so, mate, I wanted, I wanted you on because uh, you we, we, we talk about movies, obviously the podcast quite a lot. Not that you were in movies, mate, but you've been on the the screen, the smaller yes. screen, not the big screen. Uh, I was looking back at some of the old stuff in uh, YouTube and uh, Wikipedia. There's actually a picture of you as well. It's got all the cast. Oh. It was like uh, not quite playing cards, but it looked like these STV cards or something where uh, I had Mr. Donald Lachlan. That was me, yeah. Donald Lachlan. So going back to people that might not know that... Uh, Stephen used to be in a Scottish soap opera many moons ago. Quite a popular yeah. one, I believe. Because um, my granny liked it and she watched it. I was going to say it was very popular with the older generation. Um, the very older generation, unfortunately. <laughs> didn't necessarily do me any good there, Brian. Nah, not quite rock and roll, but it was really <laughs> big, mate. It says, I used to love my granny, so it used to come on. And obviously we'd seen you and then... Uh, you were in the year below me in high school. You're in the same year as my younger brother. And that's right. Wait, 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 did you you join the cast to take it? Must have been in primary school. Yeah. So it was a it was an interesting journey. Um, so take the high road was actually that was the third thing that I'd done. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was the third thing. Yeah, I'd been in two two separate things prior to that. Um, the first one was about a, a massage parlour in Glasgow. Uh, with a, a fantastic actress in it called Phyllis Logan, um, and I was Phyllis's son. And uh, the scene I was in was about the, the kind of the priest kicking the door in uh, to come in and, and kind of read her a right, you know, about how much of a sinner she was. <laughs> uh, very, very interesting. I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole way it all kind of came about. It's incredibly interesting. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I've done that first, and then there was a, a, a TV show it used to be on. Um, it was an STV show. They all were, to be honest. It was on. I think it was monthly, called Drama Rama, um, and I was in a, a Drama Rama episode called My Mum's a Courgette with uh, Elaine C. Smith. Um, Mary Doll. Mary Doll. Yeah, I was in it with Mary Doll. Um, and again, just it's 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 a surreal experience. It really is. There, I mean, there's there's plenty of wee things around it, but but very 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 surreal experience. And I was actually. When I'd done extras, my mum was telling me that she had received a phone call at work to say that STV were thinking about me for Take the High Road after I had done, the, they'd seen me in the, the thing extras. 
But in between that happening, they'd asked me to go and do the, the drama drama piece with Elaine C. Smith. So um, how does that happen, mate? Were you was that a primary school thing? You like because when I was in primary school, uh, in both Canada and Scotland, like we we done like plays and I'd done a bit of acting. I was terrible. I get too nervous, but they put me up for some good roles. Ah, and right, I did okay. like the buzz. Is that something that you, is that who you got into? Because did you have an agent or did you go to additions? Like, how, is that, how do you get your no. break, if you like? Yeah. So initially there was, I wasn't into it at all. I was always a, a very confident wee boy. Uh, so grew up in Oakapatrick, uh, as you know, Brian. And in Oakapatrick there was a thing, um, it used to be called, uh, it was a gala week. And I think most towns back then in the kind of, late 70s, early to mid 80s, it was a pretty standard thing. It was quite a tight community back then. Um, and all the streets used to compete by having floats. Um, so you would, you would, whoever in the street worked for the AA would bring a van back or a, a kind of flatbed uh, and they would make it into a scene and drive through the village. But there was a, the, the kind of the pinnacle for us as kids was the disco, but there was also this thing called the gala show, the gala concert. And uh, being quite a, a kind of outgoing wee lad, I was always quite happy to be involved in it. And it was myself and two other and a, a rendition of the Beatles. And it just so happened, and this is where, and we can talk about this, this is the kind of fate element. There was a, a girl there um, called Laura Davidson, um, who was friendly with and attended Dorothy Paul's acting school. And apparently the week or whatever it was before it, Dorothy Paul had asked the girls or the people attending to say, does any of you know a young boy around this kind of age group that would be quite confident and able to do this? So I'm up on the stage giving it, giving it big licks. I uh, might know you. someone. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, right on the phone. <laughs> um, so she, she said to her mum, Margaret Davidson, who's contacted my mum and said, listen, do you think Stephen would be interested in this? And I can remember the day I was up the I was up the high, uh, up the, the, the Gavin Byrne Primary School with Ian Anderson and a few other boys playing football. And my brother ran up, um, cycled up, sorry, jumped off the bike, you know, come down the road. And I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? I've been caught for, you know, pure <laughs> intrepidation, because that doesn't happen very often, you know. Um, I've jumped on the back of his bike, we've shot down, and said, listen, do you want to do this? And effectively what they were asking is, do you want to go for an addition? Um, so I think it was a week or two later, we went up to STV Studios, and the bizarre, it was set up like a, a game show. So there was a game show getting shot in the studios at the time. And there was about 100 young boys of my age, all in this, this uh, you know what I mean, like the kind of audience, you know, it's a kind of tier yeah. seating arrangement. Yeah. So we're all just sitting in that and there's somebody down in the middle. And uh, they just said, right, can any of you do anything? And I've put my hand up and said, I can break dance. And they're like, well, come down and show us then. So I went down and started pulling kuriakis and windmills in front of them. <laughs> and the guys like, brilliant. Just purely because I had the balls to stand up and go down and do it in front of them. Um, and I get kept back. I mean, I was, this is what we're talking about. This was 86. I was eight years old. So very wet behind the ears. And apparently I came out. And the first thing I said to my mum was, does everybody in Glasgow call you darling? Because all I got the entire time off of guys and women. And I think that's, it's, 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 a, it's a bizarre world to be in. It's a very, it's a very false place. It's a very false environment. Um, but it is very different. Very, very different. So out the back of that, I, I got that role. Um, and we shot that in Glasgow. Um, so that would have been tail end of '86, um, and then that was aired out on '87. Yeah, so that that's how it came about. And then there was a a lovely guy, absolutely wonderful human being called Robert Love, who was uh, the producer and executive producer of Tag Up, Take the High Road, Stooky. Do you remember Stooky? 
you know, it's one of the things that it wasn't on when I came here, but ah, right. the, the remnants were still there because people used to mention all the time. And it's one of the ones ah. that I, and I, I know the actor. He's a wee funny looking kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ah. he's been in a few things, you know, and my name is Joe or something. I'm not I sure think he's the guy. I think he's the guy that he's kind of looking after him a wee bit, and he's going off the rails. I need to double check that, but I'm sure I can picture the guy's face. Aye, aye. Well, he he was responsible for all of that stuff. But a really, really nice guy, and I think it was if I was to if I was to say for anybody that I can owed it to in terms of everything that I was on, it would be pardon me a mixture of Robert Love and Dorothy Paul. To be fair, I mean even straight away as soon as I was on extras, Dorothy became my agent. She took me in, so I attended her. Our drama school every week. Actually, with some people from Clydebank as well, some people that have done really well um, went there as well. So it was in a house in the West End, just off Byers Road, for years. Um, so yeah, that, that's where it began. That was the that, that was how it all started from a uh, being up on the stage in the Napier Hall to just so happened somebody was there that said he'd probably be quite good at it, and I, I went and I grabbed it. Well, it's funny because you you were talking earlier about what a uh, fate. And you've got yep. quite uh, strong thoughts on that. That I, I think it's a mixture. I think you, you can create your fate through uh, luck and the things that you do, the vibes you put out there sort of thing. But you're just yeah. more that it just when these opportunities come by, you think that you're either ready for them or you're not. I think there's, there's some things. So the old analogy, um, you're never going to win a lot if you don't put a tickle on. I completely agree. There's certain certain things in life where you have to put yourself in that situation, in that position. And I suppose to an extent, if I hadn't been outgoing enough to go and do that and put myself out there, that would never have happened. But I think it's uh, it also does rely on the element of someone had to be there to see that for it to happen. You know, yeah, um, so I think there is an element of the stars. The stars do have to align um, for for it to come through. But I do agree that you. you, you like certainly by putting yourself out there, it, it certainly doesn't help. So, mate, uh, was that the last thing you kind of acted in? Did your acting career finish with Take the High Road? Did you do anything after that? I've done loads of stuff. I've done loads of stuff. So I've done the, so I've done the extras, done My Mum's a Courgette, done Take the High Road for 41 episodes. Um, how long over, like, how many years was that? That's about five five to six years wow. uh, that's planned across. Um, I was in a, a, an episode of Taggart with uh, Robert Carlyle. Um, nice. I've done a Hogmanay show with uh, Johnny Beatty and Jack Mulroy and Mary Lee. Um, so Jack Mulroy was, remember uh, Frankie and Jose? Have you seen Frankie and Jose with Ricky Fulton? And Funnily Jack enough, Moore? my father-in-law was uh, doing a few sketches for us just a couple, a couple of days ago in the garden and it was, uh, he swaggles up to this young I think it was a dance or something he's walking up to. He's like, hello, fair midden. And the way he done it, it was just perfect. We're killing ourselves. And it says, Ricky Fulton, you can watch that. His stuff is not really dated too bad. His, yeah. He was such a funny guy. What a great writer. He was a, legend. He was a phenomenal, phenomenal human being. Actually, there was a, a wonderful woman from Old Patrick called Sheena Glass. She got an MBE. Um, she was the chief executive of... I, I may get the, the, the term for it wrong, but I think it was Glasgow Pensioners, Welfare for Pensioners. She was the chief exec for years and years. And um, she used to put on a, a, a kind of event in the city chambers every year. Um, and I, I'm going to be honest, I can't. I was trying to think when it was, and it must have been around 90, 91, I think. Um, 
maybe even 89, she'd asked me to go up in a tent with Ricky Fulton. Um, so myself and Ricky Fulton went up and we kind of walked around together and met met people and signed autographs and, and all uh-huh. that stuff. And Tina had found out that it was my birthday that day. Um, and I know that you're not going to like this, but she got me a signed Rangers football. We don't um, need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to the stage and presented with a Have signed you still got it? Uh, sadly, I was very foolish and played football with it because it was as the best ball. As you do, guy. And, and just played football with it, yeah. Um, so I wish I'd kept it, but listen, such is life, you know. You get used to um, it. Some people keep stuff and it ends up in the cupboard. You never use it, you know. At least you get I, a bit of use I know I used it. it as a cracking ball, but it was, I was, it was an absolute surprise. Um, and again, I mean, just kind of sitting talking about this kind of stuff, it's it's a surreal world to be involved in. At the same time, you're going out playing football with your pals or winching your first girlfriend or starting high school and you've got all the trials and tribulations of being a teenager and growing up and having to deal with all of that whilst there's this other world going on where you're, when I'm cutting about with Ricky Fulton or Gerard Kelly or Andy Gray or Johnny Beatty or it's just bizarre, isn't it? Bizarre. It really is, mate. Like, was it difficult like dealing with other people? Because I guess you were quite famous. For a, for a small period, I um, so certainly when I used to when I was in primary five, primary six, primary seven, um, there used to be a, a a limo would come and pick me up from primary school, and that would um, do it. So that will make you famous. <laughs> uh, do you know what it does? It makes you stand out, Brian. Ah, That's definitely, one thing that it definitely did. Um, so I remember my friends up at the windows giving me all sorts of hand signals and gestures. <laughs> Uh, as big I'm thumbs up. Uh, big thumbs up. Sadly, it was not a big thumbs up. Um, as I'm getting put in the car with this boy with a, with a hat on. Um, so, aye, it, it was it was definitely different for me um, growing up at those times. Again, the boys would come to the door for a game of football and I had to learn my lines. There was a yeah. lot of, uh, and I think that's the, the one side. And again, I was kind of talking to my, my parents about it and getting their their feedback on it. it was a big commitment for them as well, Brian. Um, so I was at the studios three days a week and shooting um, down at location maybe two days a week as well. So And I had to be chaperoned the whole time. Um, so someone always had to be with me, you know. So there's was, was a lot of time and effort that was given in by, by the family and a lot of things that they gave up. So we couldn't go on holidays, for example, if I was still shooting because um, there had to be continuity and, and these things don't stop, you know. Yeah, that's true. So did you actually have to be taken out of school or was it out with school? Did you have to get to it? Well, I spent, spent quite a bit of time out of school. Um, there was a, the head teacher at the time, I think her name was Mrs. Rennie or Miss Rennie. Um, and my parents had to go up and have a, a meeting with her. Um, and she wasn't she wasn't very um, open to the idea initially. Really? Uh, she, she, she didn't like the idea of it. Uh, and it didn't help that um, I, I was kind of, I can't remember what I'd said, but apparently I was quite rude to somebody else um, about how I was getting on the telly. Uh, and she's like, no, I'm not having that. I'm not having this wee big-headed boy walking about thinking he's better than everybody. Um, I can't remember. I think we threw a few stickers at her. Or I think we got her name. We got, I think we got the school mentioned on the show. Um, and ever since then, that was it. Couldn't, couldn't do anything wrong. And I'm going to be honest, high school for me was quite similar to that um, because we got... I got people from school on it. Um, so I got quite a few people actually from high school on it and the high school got a big mention. Doing um, extra so work? Get, uh, just just there, I just as kind of like the kids, kids that I went to school with on the show. Um, so I remember I get caught smoking and they started a smoking club. I don't know if you remember that. And <laughs> uh, used no. to go at lunchtime and get, they would bring in fresh arms and sandwiches and sit and talk about why you were smoking. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a different 
Do you know what I mean? Different experience. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, 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 it was a, uh, it was, it was surreal. It was surreal. It really is, mate. It was, I, I don't know. It must have been hard for you. I, I would have thought just because. God, I look back in my teenage, late teenage years, your head's full of mints and stuff. And for you to get taken out of school, learning lines, you're kind of working at that age. I get is that maybe like I often talk about uh, to like people like we've got so many troubled child actors, you know, especially the yeah. Hollywood thing with the machine eating them up and spitting them out. Yeah. Um, massive fame around the world, and there's so much like. Do you, can you understand how they maybe flip the lid? Is it maybe that you're so restricted, like maybe like a golf prodigy like Tiger Woods where everything's laid out for him, he's to be here, do that, and he's not getting that time to chill out and be natural. And then I think that led to his uh, episode that he had, you know, with his missus like, hitting over the head of the club and just he went off in one. His father yeah. passed away. And I think, did you ever feel under pressure that way? I think the way I would articulate it, I mean, obviously, my, my wee experience here is a microcosm in comparison. Yeah, mate, to but it still is because that was a big show where we were, and you're still a young boy. You're taking out, you're still talking to people that, God, if I tell people like you, you, you went in a date with Ricky Fulton, about wow, you know, he was he's Aye. massive, and he was a entertainer, Scottish entertainer on the TV for decades. Oh, like I'd even I would guess like thirty years at least or something, you know, big big names, and you just wonder taking her and being in that surreal world where you you play acting, and I think you must flip flip your lid. I was actually listening to the podcast today, and they says a lot of big talented actors are just heavy weirdos because they get because they're just involved so much, you know, they're method actors. Aye, the way I would articulate it, I think, and the thing that I, and I definitely struggled with this in school, there's just no question at all. When you're in that space and you're in that world, so I was getting letters written, and I've got a few, a few stories about that myself, and boy came to a few disagreements about who we felt we should actually be sending photographs to, with these 45-year-old middle-aged men for Australia. One of picture wow. of these seven and eight-year-olds, like, they're easy there. Uh, well, he's loving it. Um, what, what I would <laughs> say is that you've grown up in that environment where I was getting fan mail all the time. I know it sounds daft, but I, I genuinely was. There was lots of letters coming through. You would meet people. So like the, the Tate High Road fan club for San Francisco would roll in, for example. Um, and you're San standing Francisco, jeez. Oh. Listen, all over the world, it was bizarre. Um, but you're still these 30, 40 people, and they're just continuously telling you how amazing you are, how brilliant you are, how you've, you've impacted their life in this way and that way. And what I found really difficult was coming away from that world and then just becoming the wee boy again, just Stephen Brown from Kirk Crescent, Oka Patrick going to play football. And there's no question that that's the thing that I found difficult. Because I did think it was the bee's knees. Of course I did. Why would you not? If, if, if everybody that you're, you're in that space with is telling you you're brilliant, you're the bee's knees, yep. believe me, you're going to start to think Not me, I know that, I know. And I think that's where, once that stops... So I think I was quite lucky in the sense that I went to Clyde Bank High and there was plenty of people at school that would quite happily tell me I wasn't the bee's knees. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that was good that you had a bit of ground in there. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people maybe took that as being like he's just a wee bit kid or he's a wee arse because of... And, and it, it, that, that was a challenge. But once it stops, that's a real... That's a struggle, you know? And I think if you... 
I suppose looking at people like Macaulay Culkin, for example, is maybe a good example of that. I'm sure that wee boy was told continuously how amazing he was, and he would believe it, um, and then dropped in a heartbeat, um, and then all of a sudden you're not anymore. And, and obviously I didn't have, thankfully, any bad press or anybody saying anything negative, but I think going from that world to then being um, attacked in the press and that kind of stuff, that, that must have a massive psychological impact on me. Massive. Well, well he, I can't he, even fail to think of it. His, his uh, siblings, they were, I believe his dad kind of worked in the business and he had them in acting and like working really hard, like Kit Macaulay. I think yeah, there was quite, I think it was about seven kids or something. Yeah. And his is quite a strange one. Obviously, he had that whole Michael Jackson thing. He had the Home Alone, which is the biggest movies. You know, yeah. he would have been the biggest star in the world at one point. And then you see him, he's actually seen a podcast with him not that long ago and he's a very intelligent guy he's funny and he seems to have mm-hmm. kind of get his life in order now you know because as you say you see stuff in the papers they're, they're always looking you for you looking at your worst and things but you know a very intelligent guy and he seems to have mm-hmm. got it together thankfully because that's yeah. horrible they're just kids mate you know and ate, ate up and spat out by the machine and it says well, exactly. people blowing that smoke up your ass all the time and it just says it must be difficult uh, just even locally, that show I, I just seen as well. Looking at it, I had like Alan Cumming, is it Cummings or Cumming? Cummings. Uh, uh, he's he's a he's a huge big Hollywood star now as well. Yeah, he is, huh? he is, huh? It's kind of like the the Australian uh, neighbours and home and away. All these big actors, but they all come through that soap opera world. You know, turns out these yeah. guys. Did you ever fancy I, taking a crack over? In Hollywood or anything, did you ever kind of have that in your mind? Never had the talent, Brian. Um, it was it was pretty clear to me, and so I didn't have any drive in that space. I think I think my parents maybe got a wee bit upset about that at times. That I didn't at no point did I have any drive or ambition or desire to become a TV star. A, I don't think I was really that good at it. B, potentially comes back to that. I just thought it was a bit of luck at the time. Um, but I was also pretty early warned off about the the inconsistent nature of which you actually get work. Yeah, it's true. Um, now, if you're in that space and you're doing well, you'll make a, an enormous amount of money. But there's so many people that that just didn't, you know. Um, and it never. I think I did. I, I genuinely did see it as quite a fake world quite early on. Um, then set comfortable with you. I no, not really. But I think that there's one one big differentiator is if you looked at. So we would all sit in the green room, um, and there was there was obviously other people there at the time, um, kind of similar ages to me, but the 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 level of pressure that they took from their parents, um, they were they, they were living their parents' life for them effectively. Yeah. Uh, whether they had been they had tried to do it and failed, but my goodness, it just didn't look it didn't look nice. It just didn't, um, and and that was never it wasn't for me. Um, so yeah, and I always, I always felt it was going to come to an end. I just didn't know when. Um, but now nah, I had no, no great desires. I've done some, some theatre stuff as well. I quite enjoyed that, uh, which was very different. But then, to be honest, it was more like panto, and they still played on the take the high road bit, you know, um, rather than it being any kind of hardcore acting. Um, but I guess you so get that buzz of doing it live in front of people and stuff because when you're doing the TV things. I guess there's a lot of waiting about and double checking stuff, and it's not what people think. You know, it's not like and fast action. 
you know, fast paced sort of stuff, you're waiting about more often than not, doing retakes and Aye, the, the most important thing in the in the in the studios is understanding where you need to be and what you need to say and the expressions you need to give to feed someone else for their line. In the theatre, standing in the Kings with 700 people staring at you with pure silence and <laughs> you need oh, to keep them. Aye. Right on me, that takes a that takes a different kind of strength altogether. Um, first time I've done that was I was petrified, absolutely petrified. Well, I don't know. Um, you, do you, it, it. you do start to feed off it. It was good. I guess once you're, it's like anything, maybe the anticipation, once you get going, you could see yourself doing it, but oh, I definitely couldn't do something like that. I could see it being a buzz. Aye. Uh, Aye it's a buzz when they laugh at the joke. <laughs> I, I, I what if they don't, but... <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, left maybe, what, what, how old were you when you finished there? Um, and so the last thing I've done, um, which is, is a kind of funny one as well, you remember in school when friends are German, you got the you would listen to tapes and you would hear kids talking in that language. Yeah, um, I'd done the my dad took me to a oh, what I've got a beautiful house, it was just off Byers Road, one of the biggest houses I've ever been in, it was incredible. And it took about three weeks, um, and I recorded all the, the tapes for the German students, um, of just Johnny has a ball. That kind of stuff, do you know what I mean? Just random right. wee sentences. Um, so my legacy lives on, hopefully, in German high schools. You still can't uh, understand that young Scottish boy, what he's saying. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm surprised they used the Scottish boy. Aye. I, my articulation was no bad, but it wasn't. A, it certainly wasn't. Um, I, it could have been, could have been better. <laughs> so was that a CERN, a CERN studio you went to and... To be honest, no. It was it was a, a massive dining room um, in a in a big big old sandstone building house just off Byers Road. Uh, I mean, all the kit was there, and it was all the kind of muffling and uh, the yep. soundproofing and all and stuff. But it was just a room in somebody's house. Um, I've seen that because they do that sort of thing now with video games. Yes, yeah. And I think it was one of the commentators. Uh, for one of the sports games that was talking about, and he says you are there for literally hours upon end, being very exactly. excited of all the different moves and explaining stuff. And he says it's very difficult, you know, because you need to run through all these different scenarios. And he says you're not actually watching the stuff happening; it just you get line after line, uh, and you you think these movies, these big animation ones, where they get the big stars and they do the voices. I think uh, what was that guy? Is it rat? I can never pronounce it. Is it Ratson, Ratsenburger or something? But he's the guy who was the postman in Cheers. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that guy, Cliffy, Cliff, Cliffy. He is Aye. one of. The, he's, I believe, like he's definitely in the top five of the biggest grossing uh, actors of all time because he does a lot of voices for like. Um, Toy Story and so on. Ah, oh, you're right, actually. He does the... Was it Mr. Potato? Or? Oh, I can't remember, but he, 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 he was just doing the right, movies. Yeah. But he's just get one of those voices, and I'm like, God, Aye. just need a unique voice, and that's you, mate. You could become a multi-millionaire. Uh, I think I probably had a unique voice, but not one that would uh, make me any... No. <laughs> me any pennies, I'm afraid. So, with, with, just for everybody to talk, like, so you transitioned out of acting and then did you kind of have to decide what you were going to do when you were leaving school and stuff like not like I, I guess we all do but 
I'm guessing some people maybe thought that you'd carry on in that, and then did you go 180? So that, so that was about 92, and it was the, the last acting thing I'd done was about 92 into 93. Uh, the last thing I'd done with Dorothy Paul is I'd, I'd done backing vocals on a Run Rig album, um, again what? through through Dorothy Paul, yeah. Um, and you it can was, sing as well, mate. You didn't oh, tell me that. That's just the, the incredible power of technology, I think, in it. Um, there was there was three or four of us. It was actually a really sad story. Um, there was a, a girl that attended Dorothy Paul's with us. Um, and I won't go into any names, but there was a big actor in City Lights, and it was his daughter. Uh, and she was wonderful. She was an absolutely beautiful girl. Um, she was amazing. Um, but she, she wasn't very well. She had a, a, an illness, and all she wanted to do, uh, a, a big kind of dream, was to be a a kind of maid of honour or a bridesmaid. Um, so this was the day of our sister's wedding and uh, we were all supposed to meet at, there's a recording studio just, just around the corner from the office at uh, Kelvin Park. Uh-huh. Um, you, know, you might know where I am, the big kind of white belts, but there's a cracking big uh, recording studio in there. And uh, she was due to meet us there after the wedding. And we waited and run like we there and everybody's getting a wee bit impatient. Um, and everybody was waiting for her to arrive so she could be a part of it. Uh, and we got the phone call that sadly she had came out of the, the church after the man at the wedding and passed away. Oh my uh, God. She was 12 or 13. That's um, heartbreaking. Oh, oh, such a shame, such a shame. So that that day and that wee album just got a special wee, special wee bit there, you know. Um, yeah. As I say, won't get any names, but heartbreaking, such a shame. Such a shame about a young life getting taken way too early. Um, but she did get to do the one thing that she'd she'd really wanted to do, you know. Um, so apologies, that was a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a sad one, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's what happens. It's life, isn't it? There's nothing. Yeah, sure, it sure is. So that, that was ninety two into ninety three, and then I left school in ninety four. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew again because of my experience coming through high school. Um, academia wasn't the top of my list. Uh, DJing the school disco was far more important to me. Um, oh, you were a bit of a techno guy, weren't you? Certainly was, I Certainly was, and, and I'm to an extent, not as much as some people, but um, still I'm to an extent. Um, but again, it was the, I enjoyed school, you know, I enjoyed the, the social aspect of school. So did I. Um, I really did, and that, that for me was more, it kind of shone through more than the academia, so had to make a call what I was going to do. Um, my father was a, a firefighter, um, and I'd love to have been a firefighter, but my eyes are awful. Um, so I plumped for a mechanic, which is what he'd done when he left school. Um, and myself and a few other boys from one of the boys in New Year, uh, we went to the Motor College in Mount Florida and applied. Um, and the way they'd done it effectively is you, you sat a series of examinations and tests and then it was like one of the, you know, the NFL, the way they pick the players. The draft. It was pretty much like that. So these, you go to a porter cabin and you get these raw women on the phone at the garages with your scores. Um, and it was McCarver and Lindsay, Arnold Clark down at South Street that, that picked me. Um, so I went there to serve my time um, and didn't enjoy spending two years of my life sweeping floors, um, fitting exhausts and fitting tiles. Um, so I've done that for two and a bit years, then went to a couple other wee garages. I uh, went to Hard Angles for a wee bit. Um, just wasn't for me, Brian. Just was not for me. Uh, didn't like it, didn't enjoy it. Hated lying in the cold, freezing, snow falling off of cars. 
Um, it's just I need to do it, man. And it's no disrespect to anybody's mechanic. No, I think it's, it's going to be your thing, isn't it? Aye, and it definitely wasn't. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. Uh, I used to get quite upset at the measly wee YTS wage packet I was getting for the amount of graft that I was putting in. Um, so I lasted about, I finished before I got my, my, my time served. Um, and, and basically just sat down and said, what can I do? the least amount of work to get the most amount of money. And it was IT. I came up with the thought of IT. I'd never took computer in school. Um, had no interest in it. Uh, my mum had a computer in the house. She worked for a company called Scottish Computer Services, SCS, like a payroll company. Um, but I never had any, any interest in it at all. And I saw, I saw an advert in the paper um, for a company called Sinstar and Clay Bank. Um, part of the national, they, they provided services to the National Australia Group. Um, for an IT support guy um, and uh, I went in and the acting kicked in um, <laughs> and I gave this guy the best story I've ever given him in my life about my capability, my experience, I knew it inside out, all the things I've done and he, he clearly saw through it but the fact that I was willing to go in and put myself out there and I suppose a wee bit similar to the theatre kind of stuff, he's like mate that is the best story I've ever heard. Don't stand up, clapping at you. Oh, brilliant. I was like, what a set of cojones to come in here and do that. Um, and he's like, do you know what? We'll give you a chance. Uh, we'll give you a chance. So they put me out to the, the old Evening Times building in Glasgow um, to provide support uh, in there. And basically just I went in and said to the guys, what I meant, listen, I, I don't know any of this. Right? I know nothing at all, but I'm not a sponge. Just give me all your knowledge. Give me everything you can. And again, the guy's like, ah, fair play with you, man. Good on you. And he did. Uh, it was a Marine, actually. They'd left. They worked down at Faz Lane. Um, worked there for a number of years and then moved into IT. And he, he did have experience and accreditations and qualifications. Um, and I probably spent about three years, spending between three and six months at each placement, each job, just soaking as much knowledge. I'd done a similar thing in the next role in First Direct Bank through in uh, East Kilbride. So we're, we're now talking about the year 2000. So we're now at the kind of millennium at that point. Um, Y2K, just, the big meltdown was coming exactly Yeah, it was, it was just before then, yeah. Because um, I, I think I'd, so I'd left school in 94, left the mechanics, what, 97-ish. Uh, I went into IT kind of 98, and this would have been about two years. But each job I was taking... I was I was taking kind of similar approach to my, my ability levels so yep. that I could keep moving up, you know, and moving on. Um, and for me, it worked. It was very beneficial. I was able to work with some amazing people that and build great relationships and, and get the knowledge and skills and capability that would allow me to to continue to move on. Um, yeah, through each role. Did you think you had like if you're saying? The mechanics didn't suit you. You didn't like it. Like IT, I think some people really struggle with stuff like that. Like I kind of, I remember a mutual friend of ours as well. Uh, Big God was kind of my IT guy when I started doing photography yeah. because I started when it was analog and computers were just starting to kind of creep in to the curriculum. Not even it wasn't really even done professionally at that point because the quality wasn't there. And yeah. I literally remember having a computer and like, oh, I'm learning computers a wee bit in school. Can I use, I think it was Davies. And I remember just going, I'm done. And I've just turned it off. No, you need, you need to shut it down. You don't just do that. <laughs> so I remember just from not knowing anything to like really struggling 
And now I feel that I kind of get over that. I had to learn it, but I, I really enjoy it now as well. And you must have seen so much change because when you first started, mate, we didn't have these user faces that people can, you know, much more user friendly. I guess you would have started at a time where it would have been much more just gobbledygook, if you like. Just yeah. So I had the the first thing I started working on was a, a an IBM AS four hundred, uh, which is a, a big old kind of mainframe style computer. Um, but make no mistakes. I mean, I was I was doing very little back, then. <laughs> um, very very little back then, um, and probably didn't get an, as much of a grasp of. That kind of stuff. The kind of area that I moved into uh, is effectively kind of termed as infrastructure. Um, so it started off kind of first line support, which was password resets and basic stuff. Um, I moved on to a system called Novell Netware, and it was Novell Netware 4, uh, which was black screens with uh, green text, and you would just move through menus. That's yeah. how you done everything. There was the ability to use commands, but they were, they were very, very late, certainly for what I was doing, but I got to understand networks and how how environments would come together. Um, so how do you connect networks together? How do you secure them? How do you make them faster? What can you do with them? How do you then, and then that was at the time that we started getting into, or what was coming forward, where server architecture um, and applications all of a sudden didn't need to sit on your local machine. They would sit on a central machine and get distributed out. So things yep. like Citrix and, and then I get into things like VMware, which was around virtual uh, virtual machines, um, which was very, uh, that, I think that's probably when, I remember that being, that would probably have been about 2002 maybe and I think that's definitely when I felt that I had found the thing that I was actually pretty good at and that and, and cool, knew mate. at that point I was going to have you know when you go from a job to a career I reckon that was probably the time that that, that definitely happened yeah, and that just felt right yeah I would say so I I was I was starting to become um and I felt I was becoming more of that kind of subject matter expert um across quite a lot of these technologies and I uh, was able to provide more um, senior guidance and advice, uh, which let me move into much more senior roles. Um, yeah, and I think that's when my, I started focusing more on leadership and felt that that was something that I was pretty strong at um, and, and I was able to motivate and um, kind of get 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 a lot out of people um, in a positive and uh, an encouraging way, um, which I think is very, very important for a leader. Um, yeah, and that, that was definitely when it took off, and my career definitely took off at that point. You still introduce people as Donald, don't you? You, you say, do you remind me of, of the TV? <laughs> you I tell you what, take, so, do you ever go to your granny's house and she'd take the high road on? <laughs> when when I was me. younger, that quite a lot. Sadly, with the way my, the way my face is aging, that's not happening very often. <laughs> um, I know, it still gets, uh, still gets whipped out now and again. Um, Does anybody, like, do you never have a reunion with, like, the cast and stuff? I know everybody kind of moves on and things, but I just noticed that uh, I told you a couple of weeks ago that I seen that they've uh, put them all onto STV player. Yes. As well as reading that they they stopped playing it. I think it, they, they have had it right across the UK and obviously like Canada and Australia and places you said that, yeah. but then they just started making it for... I think it was Scotland and Northern England. I think it was quite big in Ulster and things. And then they says it actually became quite a cult show. 
And uh-huh. I just wonder sometimes you get that call, like you ever get asked to anything or so the only things that I get just now are we still get sketchy letters through from people looking for photographs. Still? Um, still, aye, aye, they still they still come through. Because I think for whatever reason, maybe I, I'm talking about like from New Zealand and Australia and, and places like that, they maybe think it's still getting made just now or that that not maybe realising that it was twenty odd years ago or thirty years ago. Um, so I, the last one was just a, a year or so ago. Um, what, I, what I tend to get is I get a cheque through for like 25 pence um, and that's when I realise it's been sold to some other country. Um, so that's my royalty cheques coming in. And it's, it's that always, is. always in the pennies, aye. aye. But that, that's how you know that something else has happened, be it for Take the High Road or My Mum's a Courgette or um, not so much for the extras, but the two of them, or Taggart, getting through for Taggart quite a bit when they are. Because every time they're played, um, although it has obviously changed now that we're sitting in players, whereas previously it was when it was broadcast on live That's TV. That's right. Do you ever then, let the kids see it? The kids ever watch so your old stuff? The, the, the one that I was definitely proud of to sit and watch was My Mum's a Courgette. Um, that, that was a fantastic experience from start to finish. It was shot in Edinburgh. I got picked up by a limo, as I say, taken through to Edinburgh, treated like a king. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Really nice people. Um, that were on the show. Um, the girl that I'd done it with, she was in uh, another show. Her name was Rachel Boyd. Um, and she was in, do you remember Restless Natives? Do you ever remember that film? Um, I have never seen that, but I can tell you what the cover looks like because I'm sure they're on a motorcycle and they've got masks on. Oh, masks. That's right, aye. That's right. So she was in that. Um, Kraken girl, absolutely brilliant. So she uh, and so it was. She was my sister, and, and Elaine C. Smith was my mum. Uh, but that was good. That that was there was lots of really happy memories. I remember getting taken around. Um, so effectively, the, the way it works with these things is see all the clothes that you need. Um, they just take you out and buy them, um, and they're like, "Where do you want to go? What shop do you want to go?" And I'm used to going to like D's and Jeanster. Jeans and Listen, this was changed days. It's like, do I go to cruise or where do you want to go? Um, so that, that blew my mind um, but I remember and again you won't like this story uh, I had to wear a football strip um, because the, there was a part, of, a part of the show was about it and well, can I get a Rangers strip and I thought, no you're not getting it you can get any team you want apart from Rangers or Celtic and the only other team I knew was Partick Thistle um, so I got a Partick Thistle strip you didn't get a clay bag top do you know I didn't do you know I didn't no. oh god sake man you can represent there I, I used to go to the games as well, back in the day. I, no, I got a Partick Thistle strip um, at the top. I, but I used to get some, some cracking clothes. And even the, so the Hogman A show that I'd done with Johnny Beatty and Jack Mulroy, I was taking out and bought a, a beautiful suit and a kilt. And I, they just... What just was that? Was that, like, was that like to take the bells in, one of those shows? It was a Hogman A show, aye. Um, so we, I think we filmed it in like September, um, something like that. <laughs> It was way in advance, so there was Mrs. Mac was on it with me. Mrs. Uh, Mac, has she passed away now? I take it. I don't think so. No, no? I don't think so. I hope not. I don't think so. She's lovely. She's amazing. She's been a bird for a long time. She was always that old woman. That's her. Just maybe a lot younger, a lot younger than the character she plays. Right. Okay. Um, so I, um, Gwyneth Guthrie, I think her name is. Um, yeah, a lot younger. Um, than the, than the, the character. So I hope she is. She was amazing. I know Johnny Beatty's passed away. 
Um, and I, I, I would assume that Jack Mulroy and Mary Lee, but I'm not 100% sure. And then it was Gerard Kelly and Andy Gray that were on that as well. So that was the City Lights guys. Seems like City Lights. That was brilliant. Brilliant show. Brilliant show. I think Elaine C. Smith was on it as well. Could be wrong, I think so. Um, I always remember, I used to work in the casino years ago. And we had, they must have been filming in Glasgow. They must have wrapped up something. So they had, uh, all the actors had come in. Uh, I kind of blanked them all because I just remember, what's his name? They played Rabsy. Gregor Fisher? Gregor Fisher, yeah, Gregor Fisher. Right, and obviously a wee bit naive, still in my early 20s, daft as a brush race came in. And I'm like, oh, man, there's Rabsy. And he's like, oh, can I get some 25 pinch chips players? Like, Is that how Rabsy really talks? Just very well spoken. And I'm like, thinking, I'm like, geez, oh. I loved all so the that, shows. And they were all kind of somewhat connected, weren't they? Because a lot of the actors would appear. Very much, very much so. Very much. But that's the, I mean, that, that is the, the false nature of it. That's the reality. It's, it yeah. was all like that. Um, everybody would come off and it was lovey, darling. And yeah, we are. And it's like, this is just so fake and bizarre, you know? Yeah, it's just, just different from growing up in Claybank. You know, you I guess that if you grow up in certain parts of the, you know, the West End or Edinburgh and things, you're going to hear and be immersed in that sort of... It will be a wee bit more normal, if you like. Yeah, I suppose so. But I still, it was still very clearly not real, though. Um, and the way the way everyone treated each other was, was not real. Um, I mean, we, we get written out of the show, so the whole family get written out. Um, because well, the, 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 my understanding is there was a, an alcohol issue, um, and someone in the family was coming into. It's obviously the the, the, the Lackland family was coming into the Hersel steamboats, um, and it was becoming difficult to film. So the whole wow. family was out the show. That was the reason that, 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 that my take the high road experience ended. Um, but even those individuals, it was just so it was bizarre. Me, everything was just so fake, um, and and just. Yeah, nobody was really very nice to each other or to anybody else that was involved in it. It was very much a... Um, I get it. It's cutthroat in a way as well because lots of times yeah. it's about relationships and stuff and you want to be involved in the next project. You know, not everything's lasting. And yeah, I think it's also that you spoke about that and I think it's a bad thing that people are quite desperate to be famous, if you like, or yeah. Yeah. known, if you like. And we can see it with all these talent shows and stuff that people are just willing to do anything. It's a shame because you put yourself up to abuse or neglect or just people taking a loan of you when you want something that much. I think the, the biggest example from that, remember the word? I love that show. Friday night, 11 o'clock. You wouldn't do half of that stuff to get on the telly, would you? Oh, I, I would do anything to get on TV. I remember that. <laughs> That's when they were starting to lose the plot. God, see that show? That was Oasis made their de- British debut, and so did um, Nirvana. Sorry, Nirvana, aye. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of good music on there. But it, is a good, it was a good kind of picture frame for what people would be willing to do to get on the telly, yeah? Yeah, they had the they done it first, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. But it was a, a guy like you that loves your music, that was a fantastic show. I don't think they've got, like, remember you also had Dance Energy after school? I think it was on a Wednesday. Used to love watching that because I had a wee bit of hip hop and um, being a bit of dance in there as well. What was his name? Um, Normsky. 
Normsky, that's it, Normsky. Because he's a photographer as well. He does a lot of photography as well, so I actually still follow him on Twitter. That's brilliant. Fantastic show. Fantastic show. It really was, and I guess... But I do say that. Now we've got the web where you can find TV shows much more suited to your niche on YouTube and everything else. I think it was just good because... In the days, you kind of relied on other people to curate and bring out the music to you. You couldn't really go searching the same. And it says well, it used to be that, that, that and then that, that was the, that was what you had. So for me, the chart show on a Saturday morning um, after Fraggle Rock. So you had the chart show, which Fraggle was Rock. the the music. You had uh, Hitman and Her um, and Dance Days. I don't know if you remember Dance Days, uh, which was on after Hitman and Her. That was early, early morning stuff. Um, but that was that was your window in. That was your, your glass pane into that world. You had to stay up, didn't you? The, the man and her was that. Not, was that? Was that? That wasn't Waterman that done that, was it? That was Pete Waterman and uh, Michaela Strachan. It was. Michaela, aye, aye. show. Remember they done a was it the Hippodrome in Blackpool? Um, was probably one of the standouts. I again back here, mate. Cheers, oh. Cheers, back. There was, I can't remember now, this is vague, I could have asked somebody to find out, but I thought I'd ask you anyway. Do you remember a rave that was supposed to happen up, I think, the old Kirkpatrick Hills, and it was called <laughs> Brain something? Yes, I do. Was it um, Brainstorm? Or... Was that you on the on the flyer? No? no. Must have been a guy like you then. I don't think so. That was a... Uh... Aye, never, happened. Happened. never went ahead, Aye. but I remember it was big news at the time with all the techno heads, all the young guys, that this was going to be this big, huge rave. It was going to be a lot of the boys' first rave, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a shame what happened with that at the time, because um, a lot of people had... It was actually, it was my brother that... If I remember rightly, I'm sure it was my brother that had done the flyers for it. My brother's a graphic designer. I thought you sure. were on that. Well, maybe I was. Looking up, looking up towards the sky with all the lightning and stuff, and you had your kind of ears cupped. Well, it might not have been you, but I can remember vividly because uh, our mutual friend uh, David Tate—he was right into it. Uh, I remember him bringing in yeah. the poster and stuff. Yeah. So I was still remember. I will. So I'll, I'll say to Barry because I'm sure. I mean, this might be an absolute fake memory that I've got, but I'm sure it was Barry that done the flyers for it. I know, um, I, I, I'll do this. Good. See, you're talking about fake man, it's so funny because I'll do the, the podcast like, and you're thinking on your feet and you're talking. So I says, facts don't you really come into all the time. You just talk all the crap. And then Davey will say something. He's like, that didn't happen. Like, all right, that was you, wasn't it? I just, you, as you get older, you just, I don't know. You're so sure something happened and you're like, Somebody's like, no, it didn't happen that way. And, like, and then that triggers your real memory. And you're like, oh, that's right. That didn't happen. It's amazing how the brain You need to check that one out. You need to get <laughs> yeah. find out. Well, I'll find out. I'll find out. I know that I was on the... So myself and Gordon were on the ones in school for the disco. But I think that's probably as close as it got for me. I mean, obviously, I, I kind of loved that world day. So I went to Fantasia and the Resurrections. and um, uh, Very interesting for a young lad to experience. It was good. Well, Clyde, Clyde Bank High had... Uh, 
a dance. There was a lot of DJs at that time, and it was spreading out to the local communities and stuff that became very popular. Like, damn your CE disco was hard to get into at a point. People were coming from a lot of different places. You had a lot of guys that were not big names, but some of these guys teetered on the verge of becoming bigger names. I think some just fell by the wayside because they maybe just didn't quite have that um, drive. But also remember a girl that we went to school with, Kate Revel. Yes, Kate. So you know her brother? I don't. Jack Master, the DJ. Ah, okay. I didn't realise that. That's her brother. Ah. So he's travelled the world. Actually, when I was in New York, I was photographed a wedding in New York, and she sent me a message. She's like, are you in New York? She says, my brother's playing in one of the clubs. Go down and see him. And I'm like, the wedding's tomorrow. I'm not be going to any clubs. <laughs> okay, that's a pity. But one of the guys that, aye, because one of the guys that um, that knew the couple, he was a Scottish boy, but he was working for a bank over in New York at the time. He actually went, so I got. He says he was brilliant. He says I got to meet him after, and I'm like, oh god, that's a shame, man. I wish I had a bit more stamina, and I could have went as well. A bit less unprofessional, I think. (laughs) Bye. He done well. I actually seen him on. YouTube meeting all these guys at these festivals, Action Bronson, the rapper I like and stuff. And so uh, he done it. Um, not, I, I think just there was quite a big musical thing that happened in Clyburn Kai. We had Mark from our very first podcast who's now he's doing, he's working in the music field and look at a lot of the guys, DJs, uh, Grant Campbell in your year as well. Mm-hmm. He he done. I think he's more of a singer songwriter. But he had some good stuff as well. His brother Rod in my year. He's in a band over in Spain. Yep. Um, Jenna Lee James obviously done very very well. Who's that? So it was uh, Jenna Greenlee. So she was at the Dorothy Paul Drama School. With me. So she was like a year above you. I think. I think she was in Chile's year. Oh, she, do you know who that is? Her mum stays next to me. Hi. She grew up in the house next door to me. Because I was I was talking to her mum now then she, uh, she was in a show with who's she a Wolverine Wolverine guy? Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Uh, aye, aye. Uh, she was tra- she was doing a show with him. She travelled mm-hmm. over the world with him. Yeah, no, she's done amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I was there was a lot of talent, eh? A lot of talent. I know, mate, that's you. <laughs> the actor. The Claybank Thespian. Aye. Not quite. <laughs> no, I mean, nah, you've done something. It's a, a good experience. That's an experience that a lot of people wouldn't, you know, see people that would die for to this day. If a lot of people say, what would you like to be? And a lot of people would throw up actors, wouldn't they? And this is not yeah. playing you up, mate, but it was a big show at the time, wasn't it? And it obviously had a big impact in your life. So that was part of the reason I wanted you to get on because I just, I like the whole thing. We've had uh, Dom who's on. Uh, they're screenwriters and stuff. I just, I like the whole yeah. thing. I like the creative process. Obviously, yeah, yeah. somebody like you, you, you can see the realities and it's never quite the same. Yeah. Says, but it's gave you a lot of fantastic stuff and you met some really cool people, you know, even Ricky Fulton alone. That guy is legendary. Definitely, definitely. They still show his stuff just about every year, don't they? Every year. It's tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. Um, and it, to be honest, it was a fantastic experience for my whole family, you know, everybody that was involved in it. As I say, my, my grandpas had to take me um, when my parents were working, and so they've got 
they obviously two of them have sadly passed away now, but they had wee bit parts in it, kind of looking in a shop and stuff. So <laughs> that was the highlight of it. Do you know what I mean? They were over the moon coming back and being able to say that to the family. So oh, we were all very lucky and it, it got us a few holidays in Florida as well at the time. So um, so that's a positive thing. So no, I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't change it for the world. Um, and it was good to good to be staying in Claybank and being able to stay grounded by it, you know, as much as I could. Look at you. As much as you could. You're like, I couldn't help it, man. I was a superstar. <laughs> you better believe it. Sex and drugs <laughs> and sausage rolls, man. That was it. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, mate, I really appreciate you coming on. Good to chat. Hopefully chat up again soon. And uh, I've really good, mate. Thanks very much. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Brian. Really appreciate it, mate. It's uh, good to catch up with you. It's been a long time. Relive all the memories, eh? Absolutely. That's what I was saying. Even just kind of having a wee chat with my folks about it and working again down memory lane. So it was good. It was a it's a cathartic experience. It's been enjoyable. So now you're going to go force your kids, right, kids? These are actors. Get you signed up. Your agent. But I very quickly realised I'm not able to force them to do it. I tried to get Leon into football, and I think maybe I was a wee bit too full on with it. And um, so he's, he's refused to play football since he was about you three years old. You can force people in and stuff. They got to find their own way. I think that. Sometimes it's good to maybe push them in a direction because then you can see whether it becomes natural for them or there's a bit mm. of pushback and you got to regroup and rethink because yeah. a lot of kids left unattended these days will just they'll sit about and do nothing because we're so we're we're overstimulated with stuff you know just you've got everything like desensitized so if you a young boy like ourselves when you're young it was like you just left the house and went to see what you could do you go look for power you had to go chat doors first of all i remember that one because you'd something oh he's away or oh he's grounded and you'd have to chap all these doors to try and get somebody you'd hate if something happened i missed you how'd you get my shirt <laughs> so you had to go out there and i remember even my youngest sammy today and he was a bit bored and i had a few things i was working from home and i'm like you mind you just He's usually quite good to keep himself busy and he's like, I don't know what to do. There's nobody about. And I'm like, just go outside, just do something, man. Aye. You don't got to have a gaffer to be anyway, though. Uh, he's a gaffer. He, he makes sure we're doing a good job. I'm in here late, Dad. What's that? How come you've not done this? As well, as grandpa's like, shut it. <laughs> Every time you're looking for a tool, Sammy's picked up and stuck it somewhere else. So I, he, I like playing mind games. He's getting me back. No but, um, no mate said thanks again no worries, man. very you. much mate and all the best to you and your family mate okay you too Brian thanks a lot mate take care all the best